It is songs like that that remind us of the greatness of God, of his love, his compassion, and his long-suffering with us, of understanding that indeed he knows just what we need and is able to amply supply that need. In the Gospel of Luke, and in chapter 8, Jesus is passing through every city and village. He's preaching and bringing glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And then there's a multitude that gathers together and they came from every city to hear what he had to say. And he spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sown, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among, the, among thorns, and the thorns sprang out with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, <clears throat> good ground sprang up and yielded a crop a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. John will bring out a similar statement in the book of Revelation, talking about ye, let every church hear. Those who have the ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We often call this the parable of the sower. But as he asks the question, or makes a statement there in verse 8, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. The sower had not changed. The seed, which is the word of God, has not changed. What changed was the listeners and how they chose to listen to what God was saying or what God is saying to us through his word. The disciples had difficulty in understanding that and asked him to begin to explain what that parable meant. And it says in, in 10, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it's given in parables, seeing that they may see and hearing that they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The seed does not change. God's word does not change. It's going to be scattered, but how it impacts the hearts, that's going to change. Not the word, but the impact on the heart, depending on how one has chosen 
to respond to what God has done and what God has said. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. The devil is very much aware of the power of God. We've talked about that before, out of Matthew 4 and verse 4. Men shall live not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He further explains as the devil is tempting him. And the devil says, well, the scripture says this. And Jesus says, but it is also written. There's another scripture that needs to be considered as well. But since the seed is the word of God, the devil seeks to remove the seed from even having the opportunity to penetrate the heart, lest they should believe and lest they should be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, but, but who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. The devil never gives up. Not as long as this world stands. He's always going to be there. And the devil is the master at temptation. Again, you go back to Matthew 4, verses 1 through 10, and read about the temptation of Jesus with the devil in the wilderness. With the understanding that, again, temptation is a desire to do something. Temptation is not just the desire to do, but having the capability with which to do it. Jesus had fasted for 40 days, and he was hungry. The devil says, you be the Son of God, turn these stones to bread. Jesus was hungry, he had the desire. He had the power in which to turn stones to bread. But that would not mean, or that would mean that he was not allowing God to have his work in his life. Man shall not live by bread alone, something more than the physical world in which we live. Other factors that need to seriously be considered. That's why he gives us a lifetime in which to work with this, to grow and to develop to understand and try to reason or reason with God and with one another through his word what it is that indeed God wants us to do. But in the time of temptation, there are those who will fall away. Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. We live in a world that constantly demands our attention, or strives to demand our attention. Listen around and see what's going on. It matters not what front you may be on. 
there's always a emphasis being made as to this is a deep concern that we need to have, whatever it may be. And the cares of this world and the pleasures that are there. Satan's again, Satan's desire or his job is not only to tempt, but to make each temptation seem to be pleasurable. Again, this listen to the world in which we live as they strive to deal with the problems that we face. All, all of the organizations, all of the institutions, all of the hospitals that have been established and supported for those who have allowed the pleasures to destroy the life. And we keep trying. We pass legislation and laws have been passed. And again, it will be interesting. It has been with every law so far that has been passed of how well it will be listened to. We live in a world, for example, that has a deep attachment to the things you hold in your hand. And a law has been passed that when you drive, you are not to text. And some are trying to enforce the fact that you are not even to have the cell phone in your hand while you drive. But that doesn't matter. It's just a moment. It's something that needs to be taken care of. Again, as, the, as we, some of us grow older, remember the days when oftentimes you left the office to get away from the phone. And now you carry the phone with you because you might miss something that's important. And it's amazing just to see how people respond to, the, to this world. And it matters not who they are. They get caught up in it. And there's a danger there. It's always a danger to maintain the purity. How many organizations, how many drug manufacturers, how many car manufacturers, any business you want to mention has, have to constantly be aware of the danger of maintaining purity. Because it does not take long for one impurity to destroy. Are we keeping aware of this word of God that in its truth and in its purity is able to take a life, totally transform the life, make it a child of God, and be able to battle against Satan whose sole object is to take this child of God and to bring the child of God back in to the realm of Satan. And it only takes a little bit, a little bit at a time. You just keep chip, chipping away and see what happens. You see it all the time as you drive around, as you walk around and look at various things. Have you ever been around a place where there's a drip, where water is dripping on the concrete? And you just watch it over a period of time and see what happens it will finally begin to wear a hole in that concrete. That's what Satan does. Why we're told to be careful of how you listen. The world has its view of 
Christianity in general. And the world has its view of Christianity and its purity. And the world does not want the purity of what God has to offer. There it does require us to be stepping in the light, to find out that there is light and that we need to be about walking in that light. And to know that there's sunshine in my soul today. The sunshine of God, of Christ, that guides us along our way. And love the song, He Knows Just What I Need. He gives it at the time that we need it. Oftentimes we would like it before. But He gives it at the time that we need it, and that's an indication of our desiring to walk in the light and seeking to, to please God in what we do, to, to, to ward off those temptations that arise so that it not wear us down. But the one that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word, there's where the key is for how you listen, with a noble and a good heart. The proverb writer reminds us in Proverbs 14 and verse 12. There's a way that seems right unto man, but the end is the way of death. Jeremiah reminds us in Jeremiah 10 and verse 23. It's not within man who walks to direct his steps. Man has always tried to direct his steps. Well, that comes from God. There's a way that we see, but does it lead to where we want it to go? And ours is, again, to have this good and this noble heart. To have a singleness of eye, which means the eye is focused on a single goal in the prospect down the way. Earlier when Pat was having some eye problems, afterwards, after some of the surgeries, we'd be driving down the roads, and all of a sudden, as she'd be talking about, the cars would be coming towards her. She wasn't driving. But the cars would be coming towards her, and all of a sudden, they split into two cars. It's not good if you're behind the wheel. You'd have singleness of focus, that's part of life as well. The singleness of focus. Because there's a danger when we try to, to do the splitting or trying to make the decision as to which way to go. But this good and this noble heart, again, they've all heard the purity of the word. that is able to save the soul if it's believed and obeyed. But how we hear has a lot to do with how we respond. 
Verse 17, there is nothing secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. God knows everything. The Hebrew writer reminds us in Hebrews 12, in Hebrews 4, excuse me, in verse 12 and 13, that the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to judge the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And in verse 13, it goes on to say, And everything is laid bare before the eyes of him with whom we have to deal. God knows the motives. God knows the intentions. God knows the underlying feelings we have. And the word of God reveals that to us. Solomon of old, who is declared to be the wisest man on earth, even though he oftentimes did not live up to the wisdom that he proclaimed, closed out that book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12 and verse 13. Here's the conclusion of the matter. In essence, there is, really, this is what makes man complete. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole of man. This is what makes man, King James says, this is the whole duty of man. But this is what makes man whole or complete, is understanding the spiritual sign that we have that comes from God, and that one day will we turn to God to give an answer for the life that has been lived here. For again, we will stand before our judgment seat. And everything will be laid bare before the eyes of him with whom we have to deal. That's what Solomon is saying all the way through that book of Ecclesiastes. Need to understand what it is that God is looking for. But getting and maintaining that pure heart, that good heart. Again, as Jesus was declaring at the end of what we call the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, Verse 23 and 24. The one who hears and does is the wise man. The one who wants to do. The one who understands. We're not on our own here. We're being influenced. We are people who are influenced. And we have an impact on others. It's what type of influence are we having? And that Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, 13, and 14. There's a straight way and a narrow way that leads to life. And few there are that find it. See, that goes along with what he's saying here. There are many who have heard or hear that word of God. But for the listening to God's will, and the decision to do God's will, those are in the minority. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many in thereat, because it's the easy way through this life. The difficulty is living this life as a child of God, 
again in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, those that were trying to influence to become Christians, to, to learn what it is that God wants from them. And that's not just for this life, although living a Christian life is good in this life, but it's more so for that eternal life that will be ours one day for those who have been faithful to him. How are we listening? We all are listening this evening. But we're all listening in a variety of different ways. We live that we do that in the life we live and everything that we listen to. I mean, that's just part of our human nature, if you will. It's part of our spiritual nature as well. We listen in a variety of different ways. That doesn't apply to me. I hope somebody else is listening to this. They really need to hear it. Wish so-and-so was here because they really need to hear this. It has some application to me. How are we listening? Do we, again, as we read on our own, as we take the time to for the old-fashioned people here to look at paper and ink. For those in the electronic age to look at your phone or your tablet and to read God's Word there. How are we listening? From John 20 and 30 and 31... Many of the things Jesus did that are not recorded here. But these are recorded that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that believing on him, you might have life in his name. There's a reason why God chose the message to be recorded. The old and the new. There's a reason why. There's a reason why he chose those particular writers, the reason why he chose those particular words to be written. Again, the sole purpose is so that a soul can find salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. And then with that, the hope of eternal life with God one day in heaven. To seriously believe and understand Jesus' words in John 14, verses 1 through 3. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. Jesus speaking. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go and prepare a place for you, that where I am there you may be also. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you unto myself, 
that where I am, there you may be also. And elsewhere you talk about comforting one another with these words. The task is, seems insurmountable, if you will. Holy lives in an ungodly world. An attitude, a characteristic that reflects an imitation of Jesus. How he lived, how he walked, how he talked, how he dealt with his disciples, how he dealt with the scribes, the Pharisees, those hypocrites at times as he calls some. How he dealt with the leaders, how he dealt with the people. How he even dealt with the Gentiles. with that desire that one day they can have the ears with which to hear and the heart that will respond and a life that will be given to God who is above. So again, how are you listening? You're the soil. The four types are clearly defined. Three have very similar or very similar result have similar results. Three are very similar, if you will, just in a matter of degrees, if you will. But the result is the same: rejection of what God has to say. We have to have that heart that can be pricked, that can be touched that can be reached, and that desires to respond to that message of God. Jesus is tenderly calling, calling sinners home, calling the wayward home. Again, it's done in a tender way. He has never, as often been said, he's the perfect gentleman. He never goes where he's not invited. And he never stays where he's not wanted. And his call is tender. It's not boisterous. It's not loud. It's a tender voice. How are we listening? I've used the illustration before and I'll close out with it. Some friends of ours that are doing mission work, missionary work over in Africa had related to us one time the mother was looking for the small son and was calling him and he hadn't responded. And she went looking for him and finally found him out in the yard. And he was singing. He was singing a church song. The song was, I'll be somewhere listening for my name. His name had been called. He just wasn't listening. The call comes from God. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come and take my yoke upon you, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and there you shall find rest for your souls. It's Jesus that is calling. 
The opportunity is given this evening for one to respond to that invitation, to become a child of God or to renew that life in Christ Jesus again. You would be subject to the invitation. If we could assist you, if we could help you, then indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.